You're listening to the Sens Chirp Podcast, a weekly or occasional look at all things Ottawa Senators, including news, opinions, wacky rumors, drunken rants, bad jokes, overly optimistic outlooks on clearly precarious things, and more. I am your anonymous host, Sens Chirp. But he's still been very good in this game. There's another one. It's a goal for Ottawa. They've really come on. Christian Yaros took the shot. If that's his goal, it's his first NHL goal, and it's a timely one. My name is Sens Chirp, and I am coming to you live from Maricopa County, Arizona, with the seventh episode of the Sens Chirp podcast. You know, as much as I'd like to just dive into the Sens news of the week, it would be flat out disingenuous of me to ignore the vote that has basically consumed us all over the last few days. I am, of course, talking about the votes on what to do about the Sens Chirp podcast theme song. And let me say, I really, really underestimated how much you all hate that song. After conducting several focus groups on the issue and talking it over with the loyal listeners, it has become clear that my obscure reference to an old Sens goal song is not only not appreciated, it is downright annoying. And that's why it's time for a change. I am thrilled to announce that the song you just heard, with its low-key guitar solo and soothing tempo, is now the official theme song of the Senstrip podcast. Relaxed, laid back, drifting aimlessly, it represents everything I want this podcast to be. Anyway, let's now turn our attention to the news of the week. Wait, do, do you hear that? No, no, it couldn't be. Anyway, Christian Yaros, the only man to sign with the Senators more times than Artem Zub, is now officially locked in. It's a one-year deal, it's a two-way contract, and it's the only damn thing that happened this week. Sorry, sorry, did you hear that? It's like a tinny, repetitive techno beat. Anyway, with Yaros locked in, that's a wrap, folks. According to the best in the business, Sir Bruce Garriock, the Ottawa Senators are officially done. What you see is what you get at this point. Hey, wait, wait, what's happening? It's back! A little bit of what you can expect in this week's episode. We will have uh, 45 uninterrupted minutes of hard-hitting analysis on the Christian Yarrow signing. Just kidding. In the first segment, the source and I take a run at the opening night lineup. And then in the second segment, a tribute to Alex Trebek as we play a game of Ottawa Senators Jeopardy. It's episode 7 of the Sens Chirp Podcast. Got that one. 
We're back for the next segment. I'm realizing that a podcast is really just an excuse to drink beers in my basement at this point. But uh, in this segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about the lineup. So the season is well, it's still a long, 12, long ways away. Three, it's four months. It keep, it's going to be longer every time. Four months, six months. Yeah. <laughs> it's One getting year. further. There is no season. Hockey's canceled. <laughs> Uh, but it feels like we're at the point in the off season where people have accepted that Ottawa is mostly done. There might be maybe one more move that comes in in the next couple of weeks. But mostly I think we have a sense of who is on the team, which obviously leads to people attempting to guess what a lineup might look like for next season. We've already covered that Chris Tierney is locked into the first line center spot. No one's taken that away from Chris. I mean, maybe someone will. Ideally, someone will. But at, I guess maybe we'll start generally with the. Where's the like? Start with the defense. Have you thought much about what the what the D pairings could look like? Because I feel like it's a little more a little more predictable than the forward group. So the way I was looking at it, I think you probably have, I would say, four defensemen that are locked into spots. So Shabbat, yeah. Zaitsev. I'm kind of picturing them together to start. They played a lot together last year. It didn't particularly go well, but I feel like that's kind of something they'll go back to. Good Branson, I would assume, is locked into a spot. And then Josh Brown. So I picture that the right side has Zaitsev, Goodbranson, Josh Brown. Shabbat's your first pairing left D. And then that's, I think the rest is kind of up for grabs on the blue line. So I pictured it as four guys locked in and then maybe one, two, three, four other guys fighting for the other spots. What do you think about the defense? I'm hoping that Branstrom makes it. Uh huh. And I'm hoping he plays with Goodbranson. Yep. Um, Shabbat Zaitsev is fine. <laughs> That's <laughs> how just, everyone feels about that pairing. Fine. It's fine for five on five. That I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, yeah. You still have Willanen. Willanen could be the other left side guy. Yeah, so I pictured him as probably... He played really well when he was on the team. Yeah, the injury just completely... killed him. Yeah. Derailed him completely. And also an incredibly nice guy. We met him in Florida. Super nice kid. Couldn't say enough. True. Yeah. And he, even during his injury, he was, he was doing like his his own podcast and kept engaged with fans. And yeah, he's definitely a nice guy. And I would agree that he sort of has maybe the inside track on the third pairing lefty spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's probably between. Our left side is all just like, Offensive defensemen, the right side is just, well, we'll call them <laughs> defensive defensemen, but I don't know that if that's the case. But <laughs> They are defensemen. They are defensemen, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, the defense, I honestly can go pretty much anyway. I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. It's not going to be great all year, to be honest. Yeah. So the, I, would, I would see the other guys that are in the mix there is Mike Riley, who still exists. Who still has a contract. Often forgotten about. Kind of a looking back on that trade now, trading for Mike Riley with 
that one extra year on his deal was kind of a strange decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Artem Zub. Who, That's right. I forget about Zub. Well, it's going to be a fight, I guess. So that yeah, kinda... I think there's seven, maybe seven, one, two, three, seven guys, yeah, battling for those spots, and maybe they all make it. And I agree, though. I, the biggest decision on defense is going to be what to do with Brandstrom. Brandstrom. And I think I just want to see him play. I think he's similar to what we said in the last segment. I just kind of want to see see where he's at because last year I know a lot of people were down on him uh, because his offensive ability maybe wasn't as as good as people were expecting, but I thought defensively he looked decent and I would like to see well, him just he was, he was sold to the team as as the next Carlson is the yeah. is that people are thinking that that's what he's going to be. He's not going to be yeah. that. No, he's a good hockey player. Everything I've seen of him, he looks he's incredible. Like he's a great hockey player, and he's but he is small. Yeah, but every like he's got all the skill in the world. Like he he could end up being a great defenseman. He reminds me a lot of like a Tory Krug, and I'd be happy with that if he ends up being that at some point. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. And you and I have talked about this before. It seems like with Brandstrom, it's mostly confidence. Like. Yeah, when you see him, when you watch him in the watch AHL, the he's HL going end to end, all over the fucking place. Like he looks, yeah. yeah, he just needs that in the NHL, and he just needs playing time to get that. So they have to hopefully give him some ice time this year. Yeah, I felt watching him a lot last year that he was just scared of making a mistake and was just yeah. trying to do the right thing all the time, and it ended up in just kind of always a half second behind in his decision making because he wasn't just. Trusting his instincts. He was just trying to survive a little bit. And hopefully that's not what happens to him. But I don't think you should make that comparison. That's going to scare people. No. (laughs) It was the decision-making comment you made. Right. It was just. In the Cody CC segment. In the Cody CC segment, yeah. So that's the blue line. Let's take a look at the forwards because it is, it's a bit of a mess. It is a mess. I was trying to write it down before the podcast and I had I would say it's like there's like 15 guys that have a legitimate chance at a spot and I think maybe at this point I would say nine of them are locked in so I would say nine sure things okay which includes Kachuk Tierney Connor Brown Galchenyuk Colin White Dadnov and then Nick Paul Artie, Artie Party, and uh, Austin Watson. So I think those nine, and I would say... say there either, so... Oh, I didn't... Did I, I don't know that he's a lock either, to be honest, but... Yeah, no, I would include Galchenyuk. I have him as one of the nine, and then I see, like, probably three spots in the lineup that are up for grabs, and then maybe a couple of those extra, extra forwards they carry, which are to be determined, so... So what do you think about the forwards? How do you are you even trying to line them up at this point? Who would you play with who? It feels way, way too soon to actually think about and then you know as soon as the game starts, they're gonna start shuffling the lines anyway, but it's I think, you gotta talk about something, right? I think the only issue is is the center position. I don't know who's gonna play center where. Mm-hmm. I know that Brady Kachuk is gonna be our first line left wing. Yeah. I know that's that where... I, I know that Dadnov's gonna be our first line right wing. But who's going to play center there? Who's going to be our second line left wing? Or second line center, sorry. Yeah. I was kind of picturing, 
and I just switched this now in my head, but like I think Brady Kachuk played a lot with Colin White as his center, and it didn't it wasn't necessarily a great fit, but I think like if you go Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Connor Brown as a line, and then the one A, one B, whatever it ends up being okay. is maybe just Galchenyuk or whatever. Yeah. So like Galchenyuk, Tierney and Dadnov, maybe. I don't know if that's if that's a fit necessarily, but I picture those as the That's actually a really <laughs> top six. I kinda like that idea. Galchenyuk, yep. Tierney and Dadnov. Seems like it could work, right? I actually kinda like that. And then it kind of leaves you with some some interesting things you can do with your third line because you can this is where I think you get some of the the younger bubble guys that are fighting for the spot. So I think like the fourth line ends up being just Nick Paul, Anisimov, and Austin Watson. That's exactly who I was going to say, and that yeah. is perfect. That's yeah, a it's a good fourth line. line. Yeah, it'll work. Just jump. I don't know how good it'll be, but I mean they'll they'll, they'll do their job. They're going to be scary out there. Yeah, and then it, the third line is where all the decisions happen. So it's I. <laughs> The first thing you have to figure out is what's happening with Stutzla. Like, is he... Does he make the team? Is he even coming over? I don't even know what's... Ha- like, Sean Simpson keeps hinting that the his release talks to get him out of Mannheim are not not going smoothly. And um, who's, who's got any say in that, really? It seemed to be there's some confusion over whether or not he has an out in his contract and whether the the fact that the start of the season was delayed uh, changes his situation. But I I assume that he'll come over, but it does seem like they're having kind of a uh, and, and always hard like time. Ottawa's the, the last team to sign their first round pick. And you're just, <laughs> yeah. Why is he not signed yet? Yeah. It, it would be nice to know that he's coming over because that's one of the things I – have a hard time projecting a lineup with because I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do with him yet. Well, he's, I think he's locked into the third line center or at least wing, maybe. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I can't see them not putting him on the team. Yeah, it's true. They're already, they're already selling jerseys. You can tell they plan to have him here. So let's say he's the, he starts in the third line. So he's not. I don't think of that as a traditional third liner. I think he'll he'll get power play time, yeah. but maybe it's more of like sheltered minutes in the third line role. Yeah, and I, they may run with uh, an extra forward instead of an extra D. Yeah. So what about so then? There's a a bunch of other guys that are on the bubble. <laughs> so like guys that could make it. Do you think Drake Batherson starts in like on the NHL team? I'm going to say yes. I think so, too. I think Drake's going to make it. If Logan Brown doesn't make it, he's got a problem. This is it, right? I, I have him with Batherson in on a third line, which I can't even really picture them actually playing together in the NHL. Like I, I think DJ would want to shelter them more somehow, but... But I picture them both on the team to start, and then and then you get into the situation with Balsers and Schlappick. So they're the two together, yeah, two two guys that could make it that need waivers, like need to clear waivers to go down. And I could see them both both making it to start anyway, and then and then sending <laughs> Logan down, which would be devastating to Logan, especially after 
like train yeah. camp or something. Like, All right, <laughs> yeah. you're headed back down, buddy. But I think he should. The message should be pretty clear for him at this point that he he needs to win a spot. Yeah. In camp, like he's not going to have it handed to him, despite what his agent is hoping for, and he's going to have to actually earn it. And there are so many other guys that are going to be fighting for those same spots. Yeah. So if if that is who makes it, if it's Brown and Batherson, and then Balsers and Schlappick as kind of the the last forward and the the thirteenth guy. If you look at some of the names that aren't making it, then it's crazy. Like it's that means Formanton goes to the AHL again. Norris. That means too. Josh Norris doesn't make it, which is, I mean, that could go either way. It, I could easily see him beating out Logan Brown for a, a center spot, right? I uh, I don't know. I think people are looking too much at Josh Norris's stats. There's my. What do you mean? The kid wasn't on the team for most. Like he didn't get a chance in Ottawa, did he? Not really. He I mean, like he, a, but like yeah, he played Logan at Brown the end of chances. it. There's other guys that had chances, but they didn't bring Logan or uh, Josh up at all. He got up towards the end of the year. How many? I'm not sure how many games he actually played in. Three. Yeah, three three I mean, games right near the end. Really noticeable. No. The only reason I say that is because. He doesn't really do anything that special from what I've seen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't think we completely agree on Josh Norris and like, but I know what you mean. Like he's not even at the AHL level. Let's just he's say incredibly that. consistent, scores a lot, puts up points, but he doesn't have any one particular skill. But, yeah. Is, he put like, up not points. a great skater. Yeah. And he put up points last year but he he hadn't done that before let's let's see this one more time before one more we, year in the, before yeah. we decide that he is their thing for the Ottawa Senators he's only done it once let's give him one more year without this all-star lineup that was in the AHL ripping right. apart let's see what he can do by himself and then we can decide if Josh Norris is good enough to play for this team yeah i don't think that's that's crazy and like he's he had the the big injury at the end of his college career. And then he had a, like a long time off and then had the one good year in the AHL. And yeah, it's not out of the question that he would, that they would ask him to do it again, partly because he's a year younger than Logan Brown. He's. And only 20. I like I, from what we saw, well, he made the team that, well, not made the team, but they gave him that nine game stint as an 18 year old, 18 year old, which is, so I, yeah, Formanton's crazy. Like he, he, unlike Norris, he has that one particular thing that he's incredibly yeah, good yeah. at. That he is like an elite skater. Yeah. So that's why he went into camp as an eighteen-year-old and was able to just like kick the door down and force his way onto the team because he was just like yeah. getting four breakaways a game. They're like, yeah, we could use that particular skill. Like we can, yeah. we can use this guy. I think they're gonna have the same challenge this year is like how do you send him down again and i know i know how it's going to end up happening but of course it's going to be hard to keep him off the team yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to watch how these kids kids come up too because they've had so much time to like work on their game outside (laughs) of hockey too so we'll see it was like training camp is going to be interesting especially for these new like these aren't rookies now like you're like stutzel's coming in midway through a year 
technically. Yeah. Like some of these guys are playing. Like Balsers is playing right now. Like some guys are over in Europe playing right now. Getting well, getting Vitaly Abramov is ripping it up in exactly Finland. So, and yeah, so some of these guys may end up being quite a lot better than a lot of the the other guys that just have not been playing either. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think yeah, the real wild card is just nobody knows what the season actually looks like and what rosters are going to look like and. If you can send guys back and forth to the so, AHL, yeah, there's going to be strategy in that for sure too. And maybe they end up leaving a couple extra guys in Europe. Like maybe some of those guys don't even come back. If it ends up being a shortened season, maybe they say you have the option to finish out the year there. So I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out. And it seems like so much of it, it's hard to project a roster. It's impossible without really knowing what the format is going to be for the season, right? Like it's, we're, we're thinking about hockey and about NHL rosters in the, in the traditional sense, but they may have to do something entirely different this year to, to make it work. Yeah. It's going to be a weird year, especially if it's going to be short and it starts in February. (laughs) Well, yeah, the good news is we have a few months to go over these line combinations and figure them out. But uh, we'll leave it there. 12 straight podcasts of just lineup. (laughs) Settle in, folks. Get ready. Plenty more where that came from. (laughs) So, and we got to make room for Corey Perry, I guess. You got to squeeze Corey Perry into the lineup, too. Yeah, we'll see. It's not happening. I have to cut that part out if it does happen. (laughs) So we'll leave it there and we'll, uh, we'll see you back in the studio in a week. Later. Welcome back to Sends Chirp Jeopardy. Here's how this is going to work. Five questions plus final Jeopardy. Send your answers to sendschirp at hotmail.com, the last functioning Hotmail address in existence, with your name before November 13th at noon. Get all the questions right, and you'll be entered in a draw to win a big old prize. There is just one category left on the board, and it's sends and sensibility. For $200. On October 8th, 1992, the Ottawa Senators defeated the Montreal Canadiens in the first game in franchise history. Neil Brady scored the first goal of the game that night. This player scored the second. For $400. In the 1995 96 season, this Fort Francis, Ontario native was hired to spark the Senators and instead reeled off a hilarious 2 22 and 1 record. He never coached in the NHL again. For $600. Hockey players are known to be a superstitious bunch, but this Ottawa forward took it to another level when he regularly flushed his stick in the toilet before games for good luck. For $800, Kyle Turris scored one of the most memorable goals in Sens history when he rifled a shot over the glove hand of Henrik Lundqvist during the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs. An amazing shot to be sure, but it was all made possible by his immaculate drop pass. Ooh, it's a daily double. 
On April 15, 1999, Wayne Gretzky played his last game in Canada in Ottawa, but it was a great one for this sends forward who was the only player to put up multiple points that night. And the final Jeopardy category is... Nobody knows that. And here's the question. The Canadian Tire Center, a.k.a. Scotiabank Place, a.k.a. the Corel Center, a.k.a. the Palladium, has been open since 1996, when Brian Adams played a concert there. But it was this player's rink-opening goal that truly cut like a knife. Remember, send your answers to the five questions plus final Jeopardy to sendschirp at hotmail.com before Friday, November 13th at noon. Everyone who gets all the answers correct is entered in the draw. To make the third selection in the 2020 NHL draft, the Senators have enlisted the services of a special guest who also happens to be a graduate of the University of Ottawa. Here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you, Johnny. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jeopardy. Our category today is the NHL. And here is the clue for you. With the third pick in the 2020 NHL draft, the Ottawa Senators choose this player. The correct response, who is Tim Stutzel? 